Welcome to the I Have ADHD podcast, where it's all about education, encouragement, and coaching for adults with ADHD. I'm your host, Kristen Carter, and I have ADHD. Let's chat about the frustrations, humor, and challenges of adulting, relationships, working, and achieving with this neurodevelopmental disorder. I'll help you understand your unique brain, unlock your potential, and move from point A to point B. Hey, what's up? This is Kristen Carter, and you're listening to the I Have ADHD podcast, episode number 110. Woo, woo! I am medicated, I am caffeinated, and I am ready to roll. Today's episode is an awesome conversation that I have with my client, Tasha. I adore Tasha, you guys. She's been in focus since its inception. She's made radical changes in her life since joining. She now teaches yoga online, and I'm in her membership. I actually practiced yoga with her last night. I just love it so much. I know you're going to get so much value out of the next hour as we chat about major career changes, the importance of movement for ADHD, how yoga can change your life, and all the other ADHD stuff. But before we get started, I have a couple of very quick questions for you. I am curious, do you procrastinate to avoid starting something that's difficult or unclear? I'm curious, do you make a to-do list that no human could really ever accomplish and then beat yourself up for not accomplishing everything on your to-do list? Do you quit when things don't go well or before you even get started? Do you beat yourself up for like normal human mistakes? Do you find yourself editing or polishing something for far too long? Really, a lot of times like past its due date and you spend so long trying to make it great, but then it's overdue and there's consequences for that. Do you spiral in shame and self-loathing when things go wrong? Do you find yourself staying small and not taking risks and not growing into your full potential in order to avoid potential failure? If so, you're probably a perfectionist. My dudes, you've got to grab my free course on perfectionism. It's a four-part video training on how to untangle yourself from the clutches of this debilitating ADHD distortion, which research shows affects pretty much all of us. Perfectionism can be crippling. If you don't know how to recognize it and overcome it, I'm telling you, this course is life-changing. Go to IHaveADHD.com slash perfect. It's free. Go grab it. Go grab it like right now. Just multitask. Head over. IHaveADHD.com slash perfect. Grab the course while you're listening to this. I will send you one email every day with the classes. You're going to love them, okay? All right. I hope you do. I hope you love it. I hope it changes your life forever. All right. Now, here is my conversation with my dear client, Tasha. Tasha, thank you for being here. I am so glad to have you here with me. I'm so excited to be here. Good. That's great. So (laughs) you um, are on the podcast today for so many reasons. And I want to start out by saying that you are Tasha of ADHD yoga Mm -hmm. and you uh, are on Instagram, you, your website, all of the things I'm in your yoga membership. 
I love doing yoga with you. Thanks. Yogi extraordinaire for the messy people. So <laughs> tell me just a tiny bit about how a yoga instructor can have ADHD and be like crazy messy and still a badass yoga teacher. Honestly, I feel like there was probably a disproportionate amount of ADHD yoga teachers, like 100%. I really think so. I think a lot of people in fitness and in movement in general are probably a lot of ADHDers because wow. it's just such good. It's just such good treatment for ADHD, even if you don't really realize you have it. Mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of like a realization that I had after I was diagnosed, it like suddenly made so much sense why yoga out of all the things that I have started and quit in my life was still one of the things that was sticking around for like, mm -hmm. like it's been a part of my life for like 16 or 17 years now. And I haven't stuck with anything for that long. Wow. <laughs> I started yoga as like a way to cope with my stress in the second year of my undergrad. And it wasn't even my idea. It was my dad's idea because I really thought it was super fluffy and ridiculous. Like, cause I didn't understand it that well. Right. So I thought the idea of like mindfulness and, you know, self-awareness was like very like fluffy. And I was like very sciencey person. Mm -hmm. And that seemed really fluffy to me. Starting yoga was like the first time I ever purposefully prioritized time for myself ever. Wow. Yeah. And that alone made a big difference. And this is prior to your diagnosis way before, way before. Yeah. So I was only diagnosed about four years ago. Hmm. So four years ago, I was 31. So I was like done all of my school. I was well into my career as a speech therapist. Um, that's what I was doing like prior to teaching yoga online, well into all of that stuff and doing yoga the whole way along. So like yoga was there from the very beginning of all of that. So hmm. second year of my undergrad. So then I did after my undergrad, I did two years of a diploma in applied linguistics, and then I did a two-year master's, and then I was doing seven years of like speech therapy as a speech as, as a clinician, and yoga was like the consistent piece throughout the whole thing, and of course because I have ADHD, like I did it irregularly. <laughs> like there'd be times where I did it like every day, super intensely. Um, and I would do like those 40 day yoga challenges and stuff. And there was no way like anything would make me not accomplish that because, right? Uh, because it was super motivating to do something like challenging and novel and competitive yeah. to me. Uh, so, but I found like, you know, like as I feel like a lot of ADHD years, like we think of, um, doing something every day consistently sounds like an impossibility. Uh, and it sounds like, well, we'd have to give up so much other stuff in our life to make room for it. But uh, when I reflected back on that time in my life, when I was doing like those 40 day challenges, that's when I was actually the healthiest, not just in terms of like my physical body, but like emotionally balanced. That's when wow. I was the most on top of my work at school. That's when I got, you know, I went to bed uh, at a more decent time, got up at a more regular time because I had to and had like the structure forced into my life. And then it was like physical activity. It was, um, mental activity. And, uh, and so it was really interesting to notice that pattern between like how my mood and my organization and my, I don't know, my just general messiness and distress and anxiety would like elevate in the times of my life when I was not going to yoga. What is it about yoga that calms everything down? What do you, what are your thoughts on that? 
Well, it's being, it's turning away from like the future and the past and like coming into the present moment, like having something Mm -hmm. like very physical, like helping you get out of your head. Mm -hmm. Because I think like, I know I do personally, I think a lot of ADHDers just get really stuck in our head. Like we just spin and spin and spin on, you know, stuff that's coming up that we're putting off on things in the past that we messed up that people are mad at us for. And you know, things that we're worrying about things all the time. Like there were just all the stories we repeat to ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think we get stuck in our head a lot and going to yoga was an opportunity for me to just kind of like, you know, like feel the muscles contracting in my back and d- downward dog and, you know, like paying attention to my breath for the first time, like all day and yes. uh, just sitting still a little bit, not having to feel like I had to do anything else. Cause they already decided ahead of time that this hour was what I, this is what I was spending my hour doing. That decision was made. We're here. And then just stay here. And um, that was a that was a big change. Because if I was at home trying to relax, I'd be on the couch stressing about the million things I should be doing instead. Yeah. You know, even if I was trying to relax, even if I was just like, Tasha, you need to just chill. I would have a book in my lap and I'd be like, you shouldn't be doing this. You should be doing the dishes that you put off all week. You shouldn't be yeah. doing this. You should do your laundry. You shouldn't do this. You should call your mom. You shouldn't do this. You should go do the homework for the paper that you have due on next Thursday. You know, like there was just, there was no escaping all of those thoughts and all of that worry, like in my own home. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it felt like, like going to yoga felt like a break. Um, and, uh, and it, it, it started to mean more and more to me the more I did it and the more I understood it at first, it was really Mm -hmm. just about exercise. And, um, I actually did my master's, uh, in speech therapy on mindfulness and stuttering. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. I did my, my, my uh, graduating research project on mindfulness and stuttering and I did not choose the topic. Like when my supervisor told me that's what we were doing, I'm like, this is so dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Like this is the most West coast fricking like thesis I've ever heard of because I was in Vancouver it's like the yoga capital of Canada um Mm. and uh I thought that that topic was really stupid I thought it was so fluffy because I knew nothing about it yeah uh even though I had been in yoga like on like when I first started yoga like I said it was just about exercise initially Mm. and but even so because of the nature of yoga like I still benefited from all of those things from like making my own time or turning my attention to my breath all of that all of that stuff was still beneficial even if my internally like my stories about it were were negative (laughs) I still benefited um so then when I had to do that research topic uh, and I was actually reading papers and research on mindfulness um and I come from like my bachelor I did a bachelor of science in psychology and neuroscience so like I'm very into the brain and changes in the Mm -hmm. brain and um, and I very briefly did like a PhD in neuroscience, like for like three months. And then I like quit. And then I'm like, academia is not my thing. Holy crap. I run. Wow. <laughs> but wow. I was like, yeah, but that was, that was my interest. So then when I was reading on mindfulness and saw like, wow, it changes the way the brain works. Like yes. in, in con- when you do it consistently. And even if you don't do it consistently, like there are small, little, tiny, little changes and chemical balances and stuff like that, just like from like sitting and doing it one time, like there are benefits either way, the benefits last longer, the more you do it, more consistently you do it, but doing it once every once in a while is still beneficial. So seeing that like made me kind of buy into more of the other aspects of yoga because 
beforehand, like I would pretty much just sit on the floor and roll my eyes until the teacher was done talking at the beginning and be like, oh my God, could you get on to the exercise? Like Jesus. Wow. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) So my thesis was how I got into really believing in that aspect of it and start, like I stopped rolling my eyes at it so much, paid more attention to more of the other practices that come with yoga because it the actual physical practices that we know about it here in the West are just a teeny, tiny, 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 tiny piece of yoga altogether. Mm. And my understanding of it is just like barely scratches the surface. It's really a whole lifestyle. So I try to respect that as much as I can. So then when I got diagnosed with ADHD, I was doing research on, on ADHD and like medicinal and non-medicinal ways to manage it because like you can't just do one thing with ADHD and be fixed. It's like, it's a million different things. It affects a million different parts of our life. And it changes depending on, you know, for women with our hormones, with different stages of our life, with different expectations on our time, you know, as you know, it, it just changes all the time. Plus we get bored. So things that used to work don't work anymore and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. So as I was like learning strategies on how to manage ADHD, like mindfulness came up a lot. Exercise came up a lot. Um, breathing came up a lot. And like in yoga, that's pranayama. Like those are breathing techniques and breathing exercises. That's the whole other piece of the branches of yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of saw all of these parallels over and over again about like ways to manage ADHD that align with the different branches in yoga. Um, mm-hmm. So I started paying more attention to those. And then I decided to do my yoga teacher training which was like mind blowing. Holy crap. I got so much more out of my yoga teacher training than I ever could have thought. Cause I thought it was really just going to be about how to cue people into poses and stuff like that. But I had like an amazing teacher in Vancouver. My training was like Friday night, all day, Saturday and all day Sunday. And then I was also working full time. So I was like tired. Um, but I like described it the process of like my yoga teacher training is like Friday. I'd be there and I'd be like super excited. Saturday, it would crack me open and it would make me face parts of myself that I didn't want to look at and didn't Mm -hmm. want to acknowledge existed. And then Sunday, I taped all those broken pieces together and tried to be a human the rest of the week. (laughs) And like, that's just how it felt like every week. And it felt like the process became more refined as I came, became closer to graduation. Like, you know, like it wasn't, when I cracked open on Saturday, like it was shocking, but it's like, okay, like these are things I need to face and I'll be better for it kind of thing. And then when I put myself back together, like the cracks were like, you know, you couldn't notice them as much. And, you know, it just felt like a more refining kind of exercise. So my yoga teacher training was really great. What you're describing to me really reminds me of coaching. Yeah, totally. 100%. Yeah. Can like you it was- draw some connections there for us? Because the, the idea of being like cracked open and facing things that you, um, maybe don't want to face and then kind of putting the pieces back together in a way that makes sense for you like that, I feel like is the coaching process and you've been in focused since day one. So like, what are your thoughts about that relating? Yeah. Like you're, you're totally right. Cause like the, I think about those two parts of my life in parallel a lot, cause, Mm -hmm. uh, like my yoga teacher training was a big turning point. And then also like deciding to get more help for my ADHD than I could help myself with was also a really big turning point. And it was the same kind of process. Like it was like Mm. understanding that I would have to see myself the way I really am 
and yeah. not all of it would be pretty and not all of it would be fun. But if I faced it and accepted it, it would, um, I'd be better off for it. And I would be like a, I would be more true to myself. I would be a more authentic self and overall, like I can, I can be a healthier person. I can be a more helpful person. I can be a kinder person. I can be more of the things that I want to be. And all of the things that I feel are deep down in there were all covered mm -hmm. up by other garbage. I wasn't willing to face first, you know, did knowing how to drop into your body because of all of your yoga experience and practice, did that actually help you with your emotions and your, like the experience of recognizing the parts of you that you maybe don't, you're not proud of, or you don't love. Like, I think for a lot of us, we are so inexperienced in mm -hmm. feeling the things that our body is doing. And I feel like you've got a leg up on that because you've spent so much time inside of your body. If that makes, of course, we're all inside of our body, but yeah, you know what I am saying. I know what you're saying. And you know what? I'm not, I think about this a lot because I'm not sure. You know what? It probably put me at an advantage for who I am. If I had not spent like those 15 years in yoga yeah. before coaching, I would have had a lot further to go mm. than I had to go when I first started. Because I feel like in practice, there are some things I am good at, but there is a, still a whole lot of stories that really got in the way from me, like really getting into my body or, you know, knowing the difference between like my thoughts and actual truth. So I feel like when I started coaching, I knew about a lot of the concepts you were talking about, like in theory. So at mm. least they weren't foreign, yeah. but I think I spent a lot of time telling myself I was doing them and then not really because I was still afraid. Fascinating. But, yeah. And I feel like that still kind of happens. Um, but you know, that's, I'm just being really honest, I love <laughs> but, it. but, uh, I feel like, cause I spent a whole lot of time as a kid being told I was too dramatic, being told I was too sensitive, being told that I was very selfish because I, you know, I was late for stuff a lot. So like, I feel like those stories about myself were like so deeply ingrained and like made up such an identity that I learned that I can't trust my feelings. Like that was basically the story. My, my feelings are lies mm. and I cannot trust them. Like that was actually a really, and still is a very challenging piece to me as like mm. the feelings and the emotions. And I'm also just like this kind of person that just, uh, I get worried that if I give myself time to feel my feelings that I'll just waste time in general because I need to get done, you know? Yes. <laughs> And so I kind of just pushed through and like, I just, I just pushed through. I'm just like, I don't have time to deal with this right now. I need to get X, Y, and Z done. Um, and then what would happen, of course, uh, is that eventually that would catch up. Like it doesn't go anywhere. If I don't deal with it, it just builds up. Right. And that's mm -hmm. what was happening with me at work when I was a speech therapist is like everything was building up, like all of my insecurity, all of the stuff, all of my doubt, all of my overwhelm was mm. building up because I never gave myself time to feel it. I just ignored it and got on with my day. And then mm. 
over time, it was really wearing me down. So I think yoga gave me an advantage in that I knew what all that stuff was in, in theory. And then like my yoga teacher training gave me extra understanding of that because like in a yoga class, you get such a teeny tiny piece mm-hmm. of like what yoga is. And it also depends on the teachers. Some people are just fitness focused because I am the way I am. Those are also the teachers I was attracted to. So I had right. a very superficial understanding of yoga as a whole before my actual training. Like I was blown away with my training. Mm-hmm. Um, because I thought after, you know, like 15 years of doing yoga, I understood it, you know, mm-hmm. and I didn't at all. I was still at an advantage for myself and my own way of yeah. thinking. Yeah. I got there at my own level, at my own pace, and I'm still getting there. Yeah. And that's like all we need, right? Like I, I wouldn't have been ready years ago for any of that other stuff. Totally. So, mm-hmm. I love it. So I want to hear about, you, you talked about how you were ignoring your feelings and, and self-doubt was building up and just like overwhelm and really probably because I've heard your story before, like overworking and just really struggling in your job. Yeah. At what point did the discomfort get so strong that you were willing to trust yourself to stop that job? Oh man. Yeah. There was, what point was it? I think it was, God. So I worked at this particular job and, and like I said, like it was, it was a great job. It was a good fit for me in terms of like an adhd who did not understand her brain, who did not have good enough supports. It was the best place it could have ended up. And then Unfortunately, because I'm such a perfectionist and I don't like to let people know when I'm struggling, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also not good at hiding when I'm struggling, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, you know, people caught on when I was not doing well. And, uh, it was just getting to a point where I really couldn't hide it anymore. And, you know, like I'd be at, like, I'd be working from like eight 30 to seven 30 at night, trying to keep up on my paperwork and still not keeping up to date on my paperwork, trying, mm-hmm. still having trouble keeping up with emails, still having trouble keeping up with follow-up appointments and, and all this. And I, I did uh, home vi- home visits and a lot of my clients were like up to an hour away. So that was wow. a lot of driving as well, which is again, a good part for ADHD because I would have gone freaking nuts in an office all freaking day. Yes. So yeah. that was good but I wasn't good at like strategically planning my day around my travel so that, you know, everyone was clustered in the same area. Like I schedule people like an hour and a half away from each other. And it was not a good way to structure my day. So I I had my diagnosis. I was going to like this CBT group and listening to a bunch of podcasts and I was starting to read, I think it was my second book. I think it was um, driven to to distraction. Mm -hmm. And there was like this quote in the book, from Hallowell. And I think he said that the two most important things or most therapeutic things for ADHDers are a good partner and a good job. Mm. And uh, I was like, uh, that really stuck with me Mm. because I chose my career in a very random way. It wasn't like it was a passion. My whole shocker. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like it was super, it wasn't my lifelong dream. Right. It had a lot of the pieces that I knew were a good fit for me. You know, Mm -hmm. like I like working with people. I like helping others. I love, like I worked with a lot of people who had like deteriorating brain conditions. So Mm -hmm. like I got to use all of that 
all of that knowledge. And I liked that. And I'm, I have very good interpersonal skills and the, yeah. I had to work with people in very vulnerable situations. And I feel like I made them very comfortable. And yeah. like, I knew I had a lot of, a lot of the good things. It was a good fit. It wasn't a great fit. Yeah. And, um, so what was happening is like, I was, you know, having nightmares about like clients. I was having trouble helping or help having trouble mm -hmm. figuring out and just like, could not, could not sleep. Like could not sleep. I'd like had like low grade nausea mm. all the time. And I, my brain was always thinking like, if I just get, do you get education in this area? If I just read a book on this thing, if I just uh, do a workshop on this, if I just get certified in this, then I'll get better. Yes. And then at one, uh, like I always had to do something yeah. and that never made me feel better. I had trouble following through on those things. Plus it was a freaking long list. I still had a freaking full-time job to do, right? Right, <laughs> like, right? Like it was just basically, it was like, if I was a different person, this wouldn't be so hard. It was right. basically what I was saying. Totally. And then one day, because I had that quote stuck in my head, I'm like, maybe I just don't do this anymore. Like maybe this isn't my fit. And that was the first time I had like a thought and a solution. Hmm that felt good in my wow. body. Like it didn't create tension in my throat and my chest. I wasn't mm. nauseous when I thought that, like it felt like relief. Mm. And that was a very different feeling. For someone who has been conditioned not to trust her body and not to trust her feelings, mm -hmm. what was the process like for you to really move toward that feeling of relief and not dismiss it as, as you've been conditioned to dismiss. Yeah. What with that, I think what happened in that situation is then I realized I thought back on any of every other time in my life where I had had the same, that same feeling and look back on it and realize like, this is a feeling I can trust. Like this oh. is something I've, whenever I felt this and followed through with this, it turned out well because mm. the same thing happened. Like I'm Canadian. I was born in Ontario. I moved to Vancouver for grad school to do a PhD in neuroscience. Mm. And I very quickly realized that was not a good fit for me. Mm. Um, but once I was there, everyone's just like, well, you just moved across the country. Like, you know, your boyfriend came with you. Like you can't stop now. And like, there was all this kind of pressure, but the, it was like the day before my midterm, my neuroscience midterm. And I was just like, I don't want to live like this. Like, yeah. like the other thing too, is like, I was kind of realizing like, not only do I, like I, I, there are, I'm very interested in neuroscience. Brain is an awesome thing. Yeah. There are other ways to work with the brain or understand the brain than being a, you know, a professor. Yeah. And I was in my, in the lab and I was the youngest one there by like 10 years. And I saw like the postdocs with their kids sleeping under their desks. I'm like, this is <gasps> not the life I want. I don't want this. Mm. And, um, and I, and I quit, like I became an unclassified student. I was still there at the school, uh, and I quit. And a lot of people were like, you know, like, it was the bravest thing I ever did. Honestly, it was like, cause oh, I could have been there for beautiful. like a PhD is like, that's like five to 10 years of school. Yeah. That is not a short chunk of time. And it was like, 
one of the bravest things I ever did. Yeah, I had picked up my whole life and moved across the country and I quit like a pretty prestigious like program at a with a very prestigious professor and it was the total right thing for me to do. Mm. Like and that felt when I did that like that was again like a time where I felt like that that relief and that freedom and I could just like enjoy being in Vancouver for a while cuz like mm-hmm. I had just moved there and then just like launched into this program that was like felt very very wrong and and I never looked back on that decision and thought it was a mistake, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so when I decided that speech therapy might not be the thing I'm meant to do, even though I'd already spent like seven years doing it and so much money, like in school, mm. I knew that I've had that feeling before and I never regretted that choice. Mm. So I could do it again. So what you're telling me is that there is bravery in quitting. Yeah, totally. And yeah, and I think there's so much shame surrounded around surrounded around quitting. Yes. That you like failed and you couldn't cut it and you weren't good enough. And all those other stories that come with quitting. Sometimes it's the best choice you can make. Yeah. If it's not a good fit, it's not a good fit. It is not wrong to know that about yourself. Mm. That is so beautiful. And so the authority that you developed by listening to your body in the PhD program when you were like, this is not for me. And I know that regardless of what anybody else around me is saying, regardless of like what I've done to alter my life to get to this point, like I know that this is not the future I want. And so quitting leaning into that feeling of relief and that internal knowing of like, this is the right thing, regardless of consequences that for sure will happen, right? Like you're going to leave without a PhD. So like, that's a consequence, right? And Mm -hmm. that's fine. And then again, that internal knowing that internal authority that you tapped into when you decided that speech pathology was not for you as well. Mm -hmm. How did you then use that knowing instead of to quit something, to start something? Because then you started Mm -hmm. yoga, yoga teacher training, um, you know, teaching yoga in studio, and then even starting an online business. So Mm -hmm. was it a similar experience of just kind of following your body, basically, like where your body felt comfortable? What was that like? Yeah, that was like, that was, it it was a guiding point for a lot of it. I think the thing that could be very misleading with that is any big change also comes with like negative emotions. So So having to tell the difference between, you know, when that means it's the wrong direction and when it's just a part of making big shifts. Yeah. Like helping to distinguish between the two. Mm -hmm. That's been a process. Um, The transition from like quitting my PhD and starting the master's in speech therapy was a lot shorter mm-hmm. than the transition of being a speech therapist to a yoga teacher. Because at that point, like I had more responsibilities, right? That was mm-hmm. like years later, you know, I was making a pretty good income. I was paying rent at that point. Before I was a student, I was living in residence. I had like scholarship, blah, blah. You know, like I had like other ways of, you know, feeding myself and right. <laughs> surviving. <laughs> surviving. Yeah. So I had to be a little bit more strategic about it. And 
And I didn't really have like the full picture. Like when I was like, speech therapy isn't for me. I did not have a clear picture and still don't really of what was for me. I knew Mm -hmm. like the pieces. I knew Mm -hmm. that I loved yoga. I knew that now that um, I knew I was understanding ADHD and as understanding myself that I wanted Mm -hmm. and that I, I knew um, that, you know, my interpersonal skills and my clinical skills were still good. I was like, you know, being a speech therapist, it was not a waste of time. It just helped me understand what pieces of it really did fit and what pieces of it really didn't. Mm, And so beautiful. Yeah. Like it's, it's nice to think back on it because I think sometimes too, again, another thing that comes with quitting is we think what a waste, what a waste that was. It was so many years, could have done something else, blah, blah, blah. Mm. No, I couldn't have. I wouldn't have gotten diagnosed if I hadn't been a speech therapist. Hmm. I just, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gotten to a point where I had to break to figure out yes. how to fix myself. Like, Oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> so like, it was all really important. And I learned hmm. really, I still learned very valuable things about like me as a clinician and interacting with people. What's what I do really well. Cause there's a lot of stuff I do do well. Yeah, for Imagine sure. Imagine that. I'm good at stuff. Oh my right. God. <laughs> <laughs> that is so amazing. So um, you were just saying how, you know, you learned so much about yourself, about your ADHD, about how your brain works. How do you incorporate that into your yoga practice and into like what you do with your membership? Yeah. So like now, So again, like I said, I don't have a complete picture yet. I did do the shift from being a speech therapist to a yoga teacher. And that took, you know, years because I had to like do the training and still work. And then my husband and I moved here uh, across the country and we decided because I was so burnt out that we would use the move as an opportunity for me to actually start teaching. So I'd done my training, but not taught. Yeah. I was working full time. So now incorporating like my knowledge of ADHD with yoga, uh, a lot of that was like understanding again, how yoga had help me, even though I wasn't aware of it the whole time, I was struggling with my lack of a diagnosis, you know, like making sense of myself, like using, not even making sense of myself, but just like being able to manage my mind a little bit better by Mm -hmm. like doing something that got me back into the present moment, like Mm -hmm. understanding also from my research on with my master's, like understanding mindfulness, that mindfulness does not have to be about sitting still. It's not actually about sitting still and clearing your head. It's not at all. It's about taking objective observation and knowing what's going on in there or just turning back to the present moment and your senses or Mm. moving. Because I used to also, as a kid, I used to horseback ride. And that was was my yoga at the time. Like I would go and ride my horse Mm. and it was just me and him for like that hour. Mm. And I was just with him. I wasn't worrying about school. I wasn't worrying about that embarrassing moment in the past. Like that's still mindfulness. Mindfulness does not have to be sitting on a cushion under a tree, clearing your head. Yeah, because I'm so glad you're saying this because mindfulness has never appealed to me mm-hmm. for that very reason. Like I, I just can't get on board mm-hmm. with like clearing my head or sitting still. And especially you want me to put those two together. Like that's not going to happen. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It, it's a practice and I had to do it little bits at a time. And sometimes I do hate it. And you know, that's actually a whole normal part of mindfulness. Like it's not always, it's not about being calm all the time. It's not about, it's, uh, uh, you don't, if you're feeling 
stressed or if you're feeling bored or, or if you're feeling frustrated, that doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It just means you're sitting there with those feelings. Mm. And what I was doing before is ignoring those feelings. Yeah. I think that can be really almost alarming because a lot of us spend so much energy trying not to feel. Totally. 100%. So like we, we want to scroll and watch TV and eat and drink at the same time while we're talking to like, I, it's almost like we want to keep the machine going and going and going with no, you know, and then just like crash to sleep so that there's not even a chance for a thought or a feeling. And I think that like the, the mindfulness piece of yoga can be a little bit intimidating because we almost have to allow for that. Mm-hmm. pause and allow for like, what is actually happening? And I think coaching is very similar. I love it is the yeah. similarities, right? It's like, yeah. oh, you, you want me to like actually download my thoughts and observe them and like, see what's in this yeah. crazy mess of a head. Like and that not judge them yeah, and not judge them. Like not make it mean anything about you. Like just because the thought is there doesn't mean it means anything about you. That's like yeah. such a big part of mindfulness is like yeah. the non-judgment. Mm. And we spend so much automatic thought in, in judgment. Like yeah. we don't even realize it. And again, again, that's like that lack of mindfulness. We're not mindful of how much we are judging ourselves all the time. Yeah. I want to know how you incorporate like ADHD mm. kind of like messiness into your yoga membership. Understanding myself and understanding, like also recognizing that like, just because we have the same diagnosis doesn't mean we're the same people. Like Mm -hmm. people are still individuals, but understanding that I could benefit from yoga and still do it inconsistently, benefit from mindfulness and still do it inconsistently, deciding ahead of time that it's going to benefit me no matter what. Mm -hmm. And as long as I don't make drama and cause, create shame out of all of those things, I'll still keep coming back. The shame is what always kept me from doing things as regularly as I wanted to, because as soon as I, you know, didn't make it to a class or didn't practice mindfulness in a day, like my thoughts are like, look at you, look at how you're failing at even helping yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. how are you going to get better at anything if you keep showing up like this? Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, well, I'm just gonna, because I'm just Mm -hmm. going to show up tomorrow. (laughs) So it's not a big deal. Um, so I try to encourage, like, I, I try to create an environment where like that, that kind of, showing up like that is totally, totally welcome. Like mm-hmm. I, my classes in, cause they're all zoom cause of COVID. So, um, people are still allowed to come even if they show late, like the camera is off, the microphone's off. You can come late. You can, you can yeah. leave early. You yeah. can show up for half the class. Like I have one, one client who shows up and will eat pizza for like the first 15 minutes and then join. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm just so thrilled they came because that meant the difference between not showing up at all and like probably having a shame spiral and a lot of self-talk about telling them how incapable they are of like showing up for themselves and reaching Mm -hmm. these goals for themselves. That meant that they overcame that and showed up anyway and Mm -hmm. and decided ahead of time that that's enough, that Mm -hmm. showing up a little bit instead of perfectly, like we always want to is still beneficial. Yeah. So I, I encourage people to come to class for as long as makes sense for them. And I also, (laughs) uh, and I'm, I'm also creating, um, I also recognize, you know, because it's all it's all online, right? So they have an account and they have to remember passwords and they have to remember yeah. like logins. So now in 
um, when people sign up for memberships, I send them the links to everything ahead of time so they can bypass logging in. Like yes. I send them the links to the calendar so they can set their reminders yeah. for the classes because yeah. they're all over the world, different time zones and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And we're just forgetful. We have ADHD. So, mm-hmm. um, so like sending, like giving them as much support in as many areas that I understand we have trouble with and just having no shame around that, you know, still allowing yourselves to show up however you're gonna, Mm -hmm. um, and giving them whatever supports that, you know, that I know consist pretty consistently work for ADHD years. Um, yeah. I also theme my classes around a lot of like common ADHD struggles. Like I try to Mm -hmm. integrate a lot of yoga teaching, but relate it to us in terms of like, you know, understanding like our ego, like that, Mm -hmm. that was like, I think a a thing that, um, a parallel with coaching and yoga is like in yoga, we have our two different selves that we have. And one is capitalized. And in my yoga teacher training, we called it our big S self. That is like our true self, our authentic self. That is Mm -hmm. the person we are created to be and represent and show up as consistently in the world. But because of our interactions in the world and the stories we tell ourselves and the people we interact with and the things that we believe we have an identity or an ego instead. And that's our little S self. And that is the person that we believe we are. And like, that Mm -hmm. was the person. And so like our job as humans and it's like, and in yoga is to like pull back all the layers of like, Mm -hmm. and, and distinguishing between like the stories we told ourselves and the experiences that we have and like getting more in touch with the person we're meant to be Mm -hmm. and the person we're created to be. Yeah. So I try to like incorporate teachings like that into Mm into my classes, little bits at a time and try to make it as digestible and relatable as possible. Cause I don't want people sitting in my class, rolling their eyes. Like I did all the time. <laughs> and I realize it'll still probably happen. But I think the thing yeah. is like the more you're exposed, as long as there's like nuggets of relatability in there, like people will take away from it, whatever they're ready to take away from it. And in yoga, yeah. that's called adhikara. It's like a studentship. Your brain takes in what it's ready to take in. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. I want to say something um, about shame mm-hmm. and about how that has impacted my yoga practice. So yoga is something that I've been doing um, on and off since my early twenties. So like maybe 15 years, but like very, very, very inconsistently. And um, in the winter of 2020, so like bef- right before COVID happened, I joined a yoga studio and um I really enjoyed going. I bought like a 10 pass, like little card thingy. And and I probably went fairly consistently like six times. And I really, like I was seeing progress and I was really, really enjoying it. Um, But I, you know, was, I don't manage my time perfectly. And um, there was one time where it was like, I really had to coach myself to even get out the door and go. It was like wintertime and freezing and I, I like, I got there. Like I, I like, I did it. I, I left and I knew I was late. I was like rushing to get there. And I, I finally like arrived. I was maybe like a minute or two late and the door was locked. Oh, I think I remember you sharing this. Yeah. I, I remember this. Yep. The door was locked and it was so fascinating as I look back because I did experience a wave of shame. There are 15 cars in the parking lot. 15 people mm-hmm. had no trouble getting here on time. And Kristen, you're the one that's late. 
and the doors locked. Like it was, it was dual experience of shame and also rejection. Like we don't want you here. If you are going to show up late, you are not welcome. And I never went back. That makes a lot of sense to me. You know, I (laughs) I never went back. And I actually, now that you bring it up, because you said you think you remember the story. Like I think that I shared this story with you, but prior to sharing the story with you, I, I think I remember telling you like, Hey, I've been secretly doing yoga. And like, when I get to X amount of sessions, like I can't wait to share it on the podcast. Like, guess what guys? Like I've been, I've been doing this thing and, and I never went back now. Luckily COVID happened. Mm -hmm. I mean, not luckily guys, (laughs) sorry. I take it back. (laughs) I take that back 100%. But like literally like just weeks later, Mm -hmm. um, you know, COVID happened but I, so I didn't have to wrestle with like, am I going to go back or not? Like it wasn't an option, right? But it, it was a good several weeks where COVID wasn't happening, where I did have the option to go back. And I was just like, I can't alter. So part of it was like this shame and the rejection that those, that was real. But then also I cannot interrupt my day and alter my life to go to this thing where like, if I, if I show up imperfectly, I don't get to participate. Yeah. And like, that was such an interruption in my day. And now I'm like going to drive back home and you know how hard it is to like start, get your brain started again on work or whatever it is. So what I love about your membership is I show up late all the time, Mm -hmm. almost (laughs) every time. Um, And it's not a big deal. I have to leave early to like pick up my kids. It's not a big deal. I'm not disrupting anybody. There are times when like life is happening and it doesn't matter because I'm, my video's off. My, my um, mic is on mute. And like, if a kid interrupts, it's not, it's fine. And like, there have been times when at like 6.55, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not dressed. Should I go? I shouldn't even bother. And then I'm like, no, I'll just go and I'll show up like in my work clothes yeah, and then be like, okay, while you're doing the intro, like I'm going to go change and I'll be back. And it's, it doesn't matter like yeah. that. The freedom to show up imperfectly has allowed me to be persistent with it. And so yeah. like what you're doing is really important. Thank you. Thanks. You're That's, welcome. <laughs> thanks. That means a lot. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like it was really important to me Cause you know, um, when I first started teaching yoga, I had a lot of insecurity about not really fitting into the, like the image of a yoga Mm -hmm. teacher. I really didn't meet like this image of what a yoga teacher is, but at the same time, I also knew that I benefited from it so much and that it made such a difference. And that, you know, and it also made me realize like there are other people out there like who are like me, feel like they don't fit, Mm -hmm. know that they could benefit from it, but are too intimidated to come because they don't think they can do it as consistently as they want, or they won't be able to be there on time, or they don't have, you know, the right clothes or whatever, you know, like whatever story we tell ourselves. Totally, totally. It's a thing. And, uh, or the right equipment. So, and that's the other thing is like, um, in my classes, like I don't teach with yoga props. I teach with stuff I have in my house. I know. I love that. (laughs) I love it. Do you do that on purpose? Oh yeah, totally. I have all the here. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you yeah. have all the, the stuff. Oh yeah. I have but you one. just choose not to use it Yeah. so that you can model. Oh my goodness. I love it. Yeah. Because you use bl- books for blocks mm-hmm. and 
a belt for a strap. And yeah, yeah I love it. Yeah. Cause I don't want people to feel like if they don't have all the gear, or all the right stuff, or if they don't, you know, I don't want mm -hmm. them to feel like it's not for them. It's for them. Mm -hmm. I don't care who you are. It's for you, you know? And <laughs> like, I, I, that's what, I, that's how I want people to feel. And yeah. cause that was also another thing as a clinician that I learned that I'm good at. I'm, I'm good at making people feel comfortable. Yes. So I need to use that power. <laughs> you know, yes. that's my, my big S self. That's what I was supposed to do. <laughs> I'm here to make people feel good about themselves in one way or another. So like, that's, that's my job. So I want to tie this back around to the work that you're doing through focused in your self-concept. Mm -hmm. How are you making yourself feel comfortable? Uh, yeah, I am making myself feel comfortable by trying to give myself as much encouragement as I give other people. Mm. by actually acknowledging the things that I'm good at. I have a, like a cousin and I had like a really, really rough couple months really. And mm. uh, I was talking to her and I was having like this full out tantrum and mm. she, she's like, Tasha, you don't need to be like this. You're like the most optimistic person I know. And it's funny because like as a kid growing up, everyone has told me I'm such a pessimist. Like, so I laughed at her and I was like, no one has ever called me an optimist before. <laughs> and wow. she's like, Tasha, you're the biggest optimist for other people. You just need to apply it for yourself. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's so right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, I am a big cheerleader for other people. And I, I love pointing out to other people what they're good at. And I love pointing out to people the things that I think that they're capable of doing. And I like, like, what, like, I, I just love supporting people. It's, yeah. And I'm, I'm good at it and I need to do thing, the same thing for myself. Part of that is being very honest about, you know, things that I'm bad at. I'm super good at acknowledging that because I spent so many years beating myself up about all the crap I can't do. Right. Um, but it distracted from all the things that I'm good at. And then when you do that, you, you distract yourself from like what you're meant to be doing with your life and you get stuck and you get paralyzed and you always feel like you're not reaching your potential. You know, you like literally feel small. Yes. And you feel just like, just so small. And, um, so in my self-concept work, um, like really understand it, it was like allowing myself to like, give myself a pat on the back, like allowing myself to be honest about things I'm good at and not feel like I'm being conceited mm -hmm. or shallow, yeah. just honest. Like these are things like, could you imagine if like a whole world spent all of its time just focusing, every individual just focused on what they're crappy at, the right. whole world would lack so much good. Yeah. If we just didn't acknowledge what we're good at and go do it. Yes. Cause nobody benefits from that. Like I wouldn't benefit from not doing the things I'm good at. Like, mm -hmm. like I, you wouldn't be my coach cause you would be doing something else because yeah. you didn't acknowledge that you're good at coaching, you know, yeah. like it's important to be okay with acknowledging your skills and acknowledging your gifts mm -hmm. and not making that mean anything about you as like a shallow conceited individual. Right. Mm -hmm. That's been a big piece. And like, self-acceptance has been like, I keep saying like, like acceptance is my superpower. Cause again, like anytime I've acknowledged, um, that a situation 
uh, it's been difficult. It's usually because I'm resisting accepting something about it. Yeah. Um, about like the situation or myself, you know, mm-hmm. accepting the things I'm bad at has also been a super powerful thing because yeah. when I was first diagnosed with ADHD, I gave myself a really hard time when it wasn't like better overnight, you know, like I'd still be late for stuff. And I'd be yeah. like, why am I late for stuff? Like, I know that I'm time blind. So I should just stop being time blind now. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> if only it were that simple, right? I know, but I thought that because I understood it, mm. I just, all I have to do is do the opposite of all the things that <laughs> my ADHD is, but it doesn't work like that. You know, mm. like I can't just, I'm not just neurotypical because I know that my brain works different than a neurotypical person. Like just because yeah. I know about it now, it doesn't mean it's any easier. Yeah. Now I just know I have to go about it differently. Yes. Mm. There's nothing wrong with having to use timers to get out of the house on time. There's right. nothing wrong with that. In seeing you grow and step into who you are, who you decide you are, like mm-hmm. establishing your authority, creating this business that is reflective of you and that works for you. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it also works for other people too. But, but first it had to work for you. And I just love that. Like you created something that worked for you Mm -hmm. and then invited people to join in. And I just think that's so beautiful. Thank you. Mm. And it wasn't like that right away. I like when I first started, so like I got into teaching online because obviously COVID Mm -hmm. I was literally the day before everything shut down here in Ontario, I was talking to one of the studios I, I taught yoga in because there, there were a wellness centers, So they had massage therapists and counselors and chiropractors and stuff there. And we were talking about a contract for me working there as a part-time speech therapist Nice. the day before everything shut down wow. forever. Yeah. So we were talking about that. They were like, okay, well, we'll talk about like, um, we'll talk about this together and we'll contact you tomorrow. And then everything shut down and then never opened again. And that studio is gone now forever. Like that location is gone. Like so they lost sad. everything because of COVID. Mm-hmm. I started teaching online originally just out of necessity, mm. needed to do something. And because I had just moved to this area, like I had no connections in like public health for speech therapy. I had, I did none of my education here. I did none of my, any work here. We had just moved to this area. So I like, I had no starting point really. And again, like I was not excited about speech therapy. I was only talking about that contract because Daniel and I needed money and that was it. Right. <laughs> it was like, I'll, I'll, you know, like I'll, I'll do what I have to. And it wasn't, but I was not excited about it. I had a lot of anxiety about it, but I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, like if this is temporary, we'll just, it'll be temporary. And it's okay. Like it's just for now. Yeah. So then um, when I started, decided to like teach online, um, I didn't know how to do that. Like, I didn't know, you know, like who, who I was for. I didn't know yeah. how, how to do anything like a, you know, like, and for somebody who sees herself as like a non-techie, like technologically illiterate person to have a business that was all online was horrifying. Okay. <laughs> that was scary. <laughs> but I was like, whatever. It's like all my only option right now. Didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know who I was for. So I was trying to be for everybody. Mm. And that did not work out because like, I was being so vague about everything. I was like trying yeah. to be, so I was trying to people please. Cause I wasn't even for like ADHDers. Like it wasn't even about oh, like fascinating yoga for ADHD. It was just like, I'm a yoga teacher. Come do yoga with me. That was, and I happen to have ADHD. Like they were like very separate things. I remembered like 
this isn't why I got into it. Like I literally started my yoga teacher training because I knew it would be good for people with ADHD. So why am I not leaning into this? Like love. Yeah. And, and like some people um, in the chat during my coaching, um, cause I was like, I don't know, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not like the expert on yoga and like, I've only been teaching for a short time and blah, blah, blah. And a lot of the people on, uh, in the chat were like, Tasha, like, I know you think that Instagram is saturated with yoga teachers, but you're literally the only yoga teacher I follow. I remember this. That is funny because I usually don't look at the chat, but I remember (laughs) people being like, I don't follow any, I don't follow any, I don't follow any. Yeah. But I guess it's, it's funny. Cause like, you know, we create our own reality. Right. And like, yes. I, I, I'm interested in yoga. So I follow lots of yoga accounts. So to me, yes. when I look at my feed, it's full of yoga. So right. I assume everybody's account is full of yoga. Right. And that's right. not true. And also just like deciding, like, you know, I, I don't need to show up in any particular way. I need to show up as myself and that's yes. it. And then the people who are interested in working with someone like me are my people. What if, what would happen if we all just applied that to our, to our lives, whether we're in business or not, but it it was just, what if, what if we had just applied that? Like, I'm going to show up as me. Yeah. And if that's something that resonates with you, amazing. And Mm -hmm. if it's not, that's okay. You're not my person. Can you imagine? It takes so much pressure off. And like, I, I can't tell if, I've just been isolated for a really, really long time and I just don't see enough people anymore, but I really do feel like I'm like that in life a Mm -hmm. lot more than I've ever been. Mm -hmm. And because it's just like, it's just, it's so less, so much less exhausting to just be yourself instead of being like who you think people want you to be. Yeah. Because everybody wants a little something different from you. So then you have to have all of these different versions of yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that that could be the same in business too. Like you Mm -hmm. have all of these clients that come to you with all of these different expectations, desires, needs. And then as the business owner, you get to just show up and be like, here's who I am. Here's what I do. Here's Mm -hmm. like how it's going to play out. And if that resonates with you, if that meets your needs and like you are happy with that, amazing. Like there's a value exchange then or like a want match. And if not, like that's okay. There is another yoga teacher out there for you. And there are more clients out there for me. I think like both of those need to be at the forefront, you know, as business owners, like there are other coaches, like if I don't resonate with someone, there are other coaches out there for them, but also yeah, there are other clients out there for me who mm-hmm. are just like dying to work with somebody like me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that a lot. And like, sometimes I have to remind myself of that too. Like, um, like I won't be for everybody, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't want to try and change who I am to, to right. make someone happy. Yeah. And there are other teachers out there who will be a better fit for them. Yeah. Just yeah. like, you know, there are other careers out there that were a better fit for me. There were like other uh, partners out there that were a better fit for me. You know, like that was just like, not everybody fits everything perfectly. That's not mm-hmm. the way we're built. Like yeah. we're just supposed to be who we are. And then we find the people we match with and the, and the things that we match with. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important to know who you are, like Ooh. to actually like understand yourself as authentically and being honest in terms of your weaknesses and your strengths, because if you're not honest with yourself about those things, you're not going to find your match in in anything because you have no idea (laughs) what you're trying to match with. And 
it's mm-hmm. it's it's really important, but it's also an ongoing process as we have agreed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's not easy, it's not comfortable, and it's not overnight. It's forever. What's so fascinating though is that like you say it's not comfortable and in the moment it's not. Mm-hmm. But when you have it established mm-hmm. and you are reflecting your true self to the world and like and participating with people who like enjoy that, right? Like I feel so comfortable yeah, in so many areas of my life, not every area. And yeah. I, there are like, there's growth that's happening in some areas and transition, all of that. Yeah. But in the areas where I feel like I really have established who I am, I've never been more comfortable. Yeah. Starting to think of myself as an entrepreneur and having to learn how to like use social media as a way to mm-hmm. find my people. In that process, I had a whole lot of drama about like how I appeared on my social media and stuff like that. And the more drama I had, it was more because I was like more worried about how people would perceive me and how yeah. people would interpret this. And now, now really all I ask myself is like, is it authentic? Yeah. Right. Then what do I care? Right. Because if somebody attacks me on it, I can defend it. Like it's true for me. Right. Right. You can't change what's true for me. Yes. You know, like we might not agree and that's fine. We don't have to. We're individuals, but this is true for me. So there's nothing you can change about this. I adore. I love it. I could talk to you for hours, but I'm (laughs) going to wrap it up here. How can people find you if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to check out your membership or just like say hi, drop into your DMs? Like, where can people find you? Yeah, sure. Um, you can find my membership and my classes and all of that stuff on my website, adhdyoga.ca. So if you want to join me for classes or join my email list, find it all there. Um, and if you want to just, I don't know, follow an ADHD and her ADHD life and yoga and everything like that, I share a lot of information and stuff I'm learning there mm-hmm. in terms of yoga and ADHD and strategies. So uh, on Instagram I, is uh, adhd.yoga. So Perfect. Love it. Thank you for being here. Thank you for um, showing up authentically and really taking us along the journey. Cause I think that's really valuable for everyone to see the journey is what matters so much. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It was really, really fun. Hey, adhd I see you. I know exactly what it's like to feel lost, confused, frustrated, and like no one out there really understands the way that your brain works. That's why I created Focused. Focused is my monthly coaching program where I lead you through a step-by-step process of understanding yourself, feeling better, and creating the life that you know you're meant for. You'll study, be coached, grow, and make amazing changes alongside of other educated professional adults with ADHD from all over the world. Visit IHaveADHD.com slash focused to learn more.